Picture this. Uh, it's the early 2000s. I've got short, spiky, green-coloured hair. It's 4am and me and my mum are catching a taxi to a shopping centre that's 20 minutes away. I've got $300 of cash stuffed into my pocket. We get to Greensboro Plaza. It's a completely closed shopping centre. Of course, it's 4 in the morning. There's one entrance that's open. It's manned by one security guard. We walk through the door and around the corner and there it is. 38 other multicoloured haired wannabe punk rockers waiting outside a news agents for the 6am opening. If you're asking yourself what on earth am I talking about, you're either the 1% of this audience that is a millennial, or you've forgotten what it was like to buy concert tickets just two decades ago. News agents used to have manned Ticketmaster booths. In this instance, we were lining up for the Mark, Tom and Travis show Blink 182 concert tickets. They cost $62 plus $3.99 for a booking fee. This episode is called The Great Australian Ticketing Problem. Welcome to the Sound Age. I'm sorry, I just can't... You've got a lot of things to say, why don't you just say I don't mean to be The definition of insanity is doing the same thing and expecting a different result. The Sound. Not long after that story in the intro, those ticketing booths closed. The staff that used to man them had to find other work because buying tickets became entirely online. But what about that booking fee, that $3.99 per ticket back in 2004? It had a purpose. You know, it paid for the computers and the booths in the newsagents across the country. It paid for the staff to man those booths and it also paid for the physical printing, you know, ink and ticket paper. A quick inflation calculator check, $4 in 2004 is about $5.90 in today's money, which is about what you'll be paying ticketing companies for a $60 ticket. Except now they don't have to pay for physical ticketing booths. They don't have computers in newsagents or staff to run them. A lot of times they either make you print your own tickets or they're completely paperless. So this booking fee has just become a nice little profit for ticketing companies. These ticketing sites, while yes, they show up high in Google searches and are whitelisted on event sites, they are just a shop front where you advertise your own tickets. These companies exploded in profits around the time the internet became the sole option for ticket purchasing. Ticketmaster is now merged with Live Nation, the biggest promotion company in the world. Live Nation take a risk on a touring artist to fill stadiums. They either win big or they lose big depending on how well ticket sales are. But on the other side, Ticketmaster make a profit regardless. Sell 10% of the tickets, sell 100% of the tickets. Either way, it's a net gain for Ticketmaster. Now before I go on, this episode isn't just about the few bucks that ticketing companies are making for doing squat. It is a setup to where this story is about to lead. Because in 2018, a few dudes and myself were looking into ticketing. We had a business idea. It made sense for big tours to have one ticketing site selling tickets. And it was a smart business move for a major promotion company like Live Nation to also be a ticket company. But we wanted to make a ticketing website that would undercut these major ticketing companies that were selling tickets to club-sized events. See, the way ticketing sites work, when you're a band or a promoter, you're making tickets to sell. You can either add the booking fee on top of the ticket, or you can incorporate it into the price. 
Have you ever bought a ticket to a local gig? It's say $12 a ticket. And then when you go to the checkout, it's $16.50. That's how much that ticketing company charges to make a transaction. And then have you ever bought a $12 ticket and then there's no booking fee? That's because the band or the promoter have incorporated the booking fee into the cost. So they really only see eight or $9 per ticket they sell. The actual transaction fees are about 2.2%. That's the true cost of selling a ticket online. Everything else is just revenue for the ticketing sites. Of course, you can't disregard, you know, the website maintaining staff costs, but it doesn't add up. The band that sells their tickets for $12, they paid $3 per ticket sale to the venue hire. Then they paid for sound and lights and support bands and advertising. And then on top of that, they paid $3 or $4 per ticket just to a website to sell the ticket. That $12 ticket is more like $1 per ticket for the band. And while most of these expenses are required for the gig, it's the ticketing site simply providing a platform that charges the most. So back to our ticketing idea that we had, we plan to charge $2 on your first ticket purchase as sort of a sign-up fee. And then the booking fees would only be that 2.2% that credit cards charge plus 20 cents, regardless of the price of your ticket. That means that $12 ticket, which is actually $16.50 on some major ticketing sites, is only $12.46 on our site. Instead of a band making $8.50 per $12 ticket they sell, they would make $11.50 per $12 ticket they sell. When you're talking about a club that holds 350 people, that's over $1,000 saved for the fans or $1,000 extra in the band's pocket. That can be make or break for a band. We went further with the idea. We actually came up with a rewards program for promoters or venues who use the site to sell regularly. For every ticket they would sell, a few cents from the transaction would be pulled up and when it got to a point, they could redeem it for advertising on our listing site, basically pushing their events to the top of our website. This business idea was not to make us rich, it was to stick it to the man. Our aim was to make it famous so that people would realize how much money just gets blindly handed over to ticketing sites that don't really do anything. We plan to have like a, a live tally on the main page, a total amount of money kept in music fans' pockets by using us over other ticketing sites. You know, we're going to be a little bit cheeky with it. How many beers could be bought with all the money saved from using us? How many tour buses the bands could buy with all the extra money generated? It came close to happening. I flew over to the UK to meet a few investors. We refined the idea, drank a ton of whiskey. We went to a free gig because we didn't want to go to a venue that charged booking fees. On the next day, it was time to research what venues had ticketing providers and whether those venues would be open to something new. We were looking for venues that were under 400 capacity. And here's where this story takes an interesting turn. In the UK, a lot of venues have ticketing partners. They would sell maybe 30% or 50% of the tickets through whichever ticketing provider they dealt with, and that was for the venue's website. Then the promoter could go and do whatever they wanted with the remaining amount. 
this is a fair deal. It makes it easier for the venue to advertise gigs and it gives the promoter an opportunity to sell tickets how they want. It allows them to keep the data they collect from their own gigs. The UK had a variety of whitelisted ticketing options too. Many of them were localised or independently run. Very few venues were locked into a contract. In Germany, on the other hand, it's a free-for-all. Most of the small venues, you pay the venue hire and then you sell tickets however you like. A lot of the venues we found will happily sell the tickets on their site for you and give you the money at the event. And this was direct through their website. It saves the customers for having to fork out more just for selling a digital ticket. Only a handful of venues we contacted had a specific ticketing site. And even then, it was unclear if the promoter had to use it or if it was just recommended. And then it came to Australia. Most, I'm talking close to 90% of the venues between 200 and 400 capacity had or have exclusive deals with either Oztix or Eventbrite, mainly Oztix. If you book a gig at the Evelyn, you can't sell your own tickets. You must use Oztix. If you want physical tickets, you must buy them through Oztix. Playing at the Northcote Social, it's the same thing. When we contacted the Ferntree Gully Hotel, however, we got an email back. All ALH-owned venues have exclusive deals with Oztix. ALH owns the club music scene in Australia. Hundreds, I'm talking several hundreds of venues across every city and town in Australia. And they all exclusively sell tickets through Oztix. This was the straw that broke the camel's back for our ticketing idea because we couldn't even start it in Australia. The whole country was already bought up. But that's okay, it was just an idea. We will move on. But that's a problem. It's a monopoly on something that in today's world doesn't even require a company. You don't need Ticketmaster to have locations in every city to sell your tickets. Every single person has a mobile phone. There's a middleman here that isn't required on a club level. I get that Oztix and Eventbrite and Ticketmaster give securities that can't be given when tickets are sold direct from customer to promoter. For major tours and stadiums, it makes a lot of sense because we're talking about millions of dollars. We're talking about major corporations using major corporations. That's their selling point, security. But on a local club level, do they provide any extra security that you don't already have? PayPal and Stripe have assurances built in. It's not like there's no security. PayPal almost exclusively finds in favor of the customer, especially when things like concert tickets are involved. On a club level, ticket providers are just selling assurances you sort of already have. These companies, they don't refund the booking fees either. They never lose money from a canceled event. Because they've bought up an entire country worth of venues, there's very little competition so why should they have to change? Here, I'll give you an example from a few years back. We tried to cheat the system once. We booked a gig a few years back. I'm not going to name the venue. It was in Melbourne. They had a deal with Oztix, but we were used to selling our own tickets at this stage. You know, in Europe, this is what we just did. We sold our own tickets from our own website like we were selling merch. Then on the night, we provided a list of names at the door for the venue. 
In theory, it shouldn't have mattered. We paid our venue hire, we filled the bar, everyone wins, except maybe Oztix. The venue went absolutely ballistic and even threatened us that we would have to pay the booking fees on top of each ticket sale. I don't want to speculate here, but it sounds like Oztix were rewarding a venue for using them, which, you know, was our idea as well. But they're rewarding a venue for charging unnecessary fees to customers and bands and promoters. And it seems like Australia is locked into this, unwilling to budge. But man, it's such an easy fix. Here's a better way, Australia. A super simple solution that is borrowed from Europe. Small venues, bands, promoters, build an e-commerce website. It costs a few hundred dollars a year to host. It takes a few hours of practice to learn how to build an interactive website. I taught myself on YouTube. Now I've built five websites, it's not hard. Sell your tickets direct to customers. Save yourselves or your customers from paying booking fees on every single ticket. It will save you or really make you tens of thousands of dollars every year, probably more if you have enough events. Collect your own data. Instead of handing it over to some storefront only ticketing site, make yourself a mailing list out of it. Contact your crowd. You don't have to pay for advertising on a listing site to get access to 20% of your audience. You have 100% of your audience right there on your own website. I noticed something in Australia. Local ticket prices haven't really gone up that much. When I was 18 years old, the local band would charge eight or $10 entry. Now they might charge $13. When Melbourne Rockers Dead City Ruins came to Cologne, my hometown, they charged what would be 45 Australian dollars for tickets and they were only playing MTC, a rock club in town. But that's normal over here. No one complained about that. Dead City Ruins still can only charge $20 or $25 max in Australia for playing Northcote Social Club, a city where they're far more well known. I remember when we last played in Adelaide, our tickets were $14. But because we added the booking fees on top, some people complained. 17 bucks, mate, to go to the Crown and Anchor. Nah, no thanks, man. How much for two pints of beer? 22 bucks. Yeah, no worries. That's how Australia is with live music. The mentality of what a local gig should cost, that needs to change. There's no reason why three or four working rock bands on a bill shouldn't be $30. But while that hasn't changed, every last cent makes a huge difference. Local venues, I don't know what sort of deal you have with Oztix, but end it. Stop giving 10 or 15% away to a major corporation just for digitally generating emails with a QR code attached. You can make more money doing it yourself. Small issue, easy fix, big difference. Thanks for listening to The Sound Age.